0: If you are like me, uh, you feel encouraged and hurting <laughs> at the same time. Um, numerous times in the messages, I have just felt a, a weight of, oh, how I fail in this and the desire to do better in it and just the recognition that, oh, Father, give me your spirit. Please give me grace <laughs> to grow in this. So I just encourage us, exhort us uh, to, to leave this place prayerful um, and even maybe Tomorrow at church to have conversations again with other brothers and and just to keep these things as best we can with the Lord's help uh, before our minds. Uh, you might go and say, "I want to do better in this one, this one, this one, this one, this one," and then and then feel paralyzed by next Wednesday. So if it needs to be bite-sized pieces, uh, do that. But may God truly give us grace to grow uh, in these in these areas that we've been exhorted. So forbear and forgive one another. Open to Ephesians chapter four. I'm going to read several scriptures. Just to start this afternoon, Ephesians chapter 4, and we'll start reading in verse 1. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Same chapter down to verse 31. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be ye kind one to another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. In Colossians chapter 3, Colossians chapter 3 will start in verse 12. Put on therefore as the elect of God Holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And then another that I'll read in Mark chapter 11 before we jump into the message, but in Mark chapter 11, Jesus' words, Jesus' words in verse 25, he says, "And when ye stand praying, forgive, for if ye have aught against any, that I'm sorry, and when you stand praying, forgive if ye have aught against any, that your Father also which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. But if ye do not forgive, neither will your Father which is in heaven forgive your trespasses." So I'll probably say something like this again, and maybe two or three times throughout the, the message, but um, we've been exhorted and been taught about this Christian community, the church, these connection that we have, these one another relationships. And this is a community that has been produced from forgiveness and forbearance on God's part. It's been produced because God has suffered long with us, and God has forgiven us. And because of his work of redemption, which involved his forbearance and forgiveness. He's created this community of people and he intends for that community to get to guess what? To reflect him, to be a community of forbearance and of forgiveness. And so that is the whole key. If we miss that, if 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 we miss that essential element of how do we even get here? We got here because God has uh, borne along with us, has been patient with us, and God has forgiven us. So we we'll look at forbearance and forgiveness. They kind of are tied together. Like I like Lewis's analogy of the spaghetti noodles. All of these are like spaghetti noodles, but the forbear and forgive go. They do go together. To forbear it means to to suffer, to endure. It it really does mean this to put up with. <laughs> so put up with your brothers. <laughs> That's what it means. The idea of tolerating. So it is is bearing long. It's patience with another's weaknesses, their flaws. Just their annoyances and aggravations. The Bible gets really down to the practical level, doesn't it? So it's it's tolerating, it's putting up with, it's bearing along with the annoyances, the aggravations, the flaws, the mistakes of one another. And we might think about this uh, for, forbearance and forgiveness, but I say, why is this command even necessary? I mean, we're a bunch of saved folks, right? The Lord has changed us. He has redeemed us. He's forgiven us. Brother Zach said the church is supposed to be like heaven on earth. And so isn't this heaven here? Why would we need to forbear with folks? Why would we need to forgive folks? Well, it's like heaven on earth. It's to reflect heaven, but it ain't yet heaven, is it? (laughs) Not quite yet heaven. It it is the best place on earth. Amen? It is a reflection. It's a colony of heaven, like Philippians 3 would indicate. But it is not yet heaven. It's not yet glory. And so God uh, never promised us... Um, that this side of heaven, that any, any relationship that we would have, that any relationship we, we would have would be annoyance free, pain free, offense free. So for you brothers that are married, how many of us went to the altar and said, Oh, in sickness and health and poverty and wealth, as long as you're not a pain in the neck, you know, don't endorse a wedding like that, okay? Don't endorse spouse like that. How many of us, when we were baptized and pledged our lives to Jesus and to His people said, Lord, I am all in. I'm with you. I'm going to follow you. Um, as long as nobody rubs me the wrong way. As, no, as long as nobody offends me. No, you know that's not reality. In every, in every relationship we have, and we might even say especially in the most precious relationships we have, we ought to expect we must need to practice forbearance and forgiveness, and we're going to need to receive forbearance, and forgiveness. So in this Christian community, in this community of faith, in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, we share much together in common, don't we? And we? We share the most important things together in common. We must not lose sight of that. That's why Paul said endeavor to guard this unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. What you share together is precious. What you share together is wonderful. So uh, Hebrews 3 verse 1 says it calls us holy brothers who share together in the heavenly calling. Isn't that awesome? We're holy brothers. God has made us holy in Christ. We're part of a holy family. And we share together, we fellowship together in the glorious salvation that's found in Christ. We are fellow heirs of glory to come, the most important things, the most precious things we share together. And that's essential for us to keep our eyes fixed upon when our brother uh, has offended us. And when our brother aggravates us and we see the, the glaring flaws in our brother, even when we've tried to help him and he still is that same guy in that area, we need to remember, oh yes, I share together the most precious things with this brother and that should shape my attitude and my spirit um, towards him. So we're not yet in glory. Uh, so we're we're still in the church. There's differing levels of maturity. There's some who've grown more than others. There's some who are newer in the faith and they're coming along. There's some who've, who've, and we would all put ourselves in this category in some degree, haven't grown as we ought. So there's always going to be a need for forbearance and for forgiveness. We still have this remaining sinful nature. We all have embarrassing blunders, don't we? Times where the just about as ugly of our sinful nature Was revealed to another brother uh, in the Lord, and we just say, Man, that, that, yeah, I just showed myself. That was ugly. That was ugly. And that's the reality. Different levels of maturity, still our sinful nature, and then just different personalities and backgrounds. Everybody here have the same personality? Everybody have the same, outside of the Lord, the same interests? Everybody have the same favorite football team? We could, we could, we could do some rivalry right now, couldn't we? No way. A lot of differences. A lot of differences. A lot of different personalities, and yet we must remember. Wait, what well, we share the most important things in common, and that has to shape us. So we're not. We ought not to be shocked when there's a need for forbearance and for forgiveness uh, within the Church of God. And just just think about a couple of, of biblical examples about this. It's just interesting. You read through uh, like the Book of Acts and the Epistles, and you find um, Christianity on ground level. So let's think about one. Remember when Paul and John Mark went to go? Is there anything more important? They went to go spread the gospel. They went to go preach the gospel. This is the Holy Spirit's work. Um, and then what happened? John Mark went with them, and he he flunked out right in the middle of the trip. I mean, what what a lousy guy, you know? What a jerk? <laughs> what a weenie? Whatever the cause was, he he bailed out on them right when it was an important time. Well. The good news is later he was useful and helpful, but boy, it was he wasn't useful in that moment, was he? He was kind of a pain in that moment. Probably caused some serious uh, uh, upset of plans in that moment. Later on the next journey, Barnabas wants to take John Mark. He's merciful. Let's take him back with us. And Paul and Barnabas, two preachers of the gospel, two faithful men of God, two gifted men of God, it says the contention between them was so sharp, they had to go separate ways. They, they just couldn't agree on this. John Mark's not useful. we got to take him. He needs another chance. He is going to mess us up again. We can't do this. I don't know what the conversation was, but they had to go different ways. Now, here's the good news. We know that there is forbearance and forgiveness, there, or whether if there was said, I don't know. There was forbearance there. There was tolerating because Paul and Barnabas did not destroy each other. They did not hurt each other. They, they went their separate ways. They had their disagreement, but they weren't at odds one with another. Another one is uh, 2 Corinthians was mentioned this uh, morning by Brother Lewis. If you read that book of 2 Corinthians, you're going to find that the Apostle Paul, with with that church in Corinth that he had spent an enormous amount of time with, he had sweated physically and emotionally with that church. And for a time, many in that church, in an incredibly offensive and disrespectful way, dishonored the Apostle Paul. And you know what he did? He suffered long with them. He kept dealing with them. He kept loving them. He kept being patient with them. He picked his spots to exhort them and rebuke them. Sometimes, if you'll, you'll find there, sometimes he backed off when he didn't think it would go well. And Paul had to learn. He, had, he gave us an example of these are Christians. These are people who I've invested and in sacrificed for, who have preached the gospel for, and they're treating me like garbage. There was a need there for forbearance. In the church at Rome, Romans 14 would, would bear this out. In the church at Rome, you have people from all kinds of different backgrounds. And some are convinced that certain foods that they would eat, it would be sinful for them to eat them. It wasn't just a tasting. It would be sin for me to eat this. Another brother says, brother, it's all good. Just eat it and enjoy it to the glory of God. There's some in that church that said, this day is holy. This is a sacred day. I can't profane this day. Others said, look, every day is a light. Live every day under the Lord. Paul didn't come down and write, a. Th- he gave his opinion, he didn't write his theological treatise, but he did say, you guys who have a disagreement on this, you've you've got to learn to forbear with each other. You have to still love each other, even though you don't see this exactly the same way. So you don't judge the one, you don't despise the other, but you have to love each other as unto the Lord. You see, just several different examples, right from Scripture, where within the community of believers, there's mistakes, there's differences of opinion, um, and then there's outright sin and this need for forbearance and for forgiveness. So what is part of what's going on here is this, is that, is that we are, and God's using this, we are in a remodeling process called sanctification, where you go to a house and remodel it, You you may knock some walls out, you may pull some old ugly light fixtures out and put some new ones in, and so while that remodeling process is going on, there's a lot of construction dust, there's a lot of noise, and everything's not always calm and beautiful, but something beautiful is in process, isn't it? You'll find, you, you can identify with this, I'm sure. When there is offense, when there is annoyance, and there's aggravation, listen, there is, there is major, when, it, when we're, when we're responding correctly, there is major Holy Spirit sanctifying go, work going on. Because you're having to deal with your own emotions and your own heart in a high pressure situation when you're offended, you're hurt, you're aggravated, and you're for, and you can't just play in that moment, right? you're either going to go one way or the other you're going to go toward bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speakings we heard about, or you're going to lean into patience, forbearance, for Lord help me, Lord give me grace. there's major work going on in those moments and so God is using even our flaws and annoyances and offenses one with another when we're responding correctly to sanctify us on both ends of the line. so God's at work in this he's He's using this, and we're to respond to it in a faithful way uh, in, in, in these areas. Now, here's an encouragement. Here's an encouragement with this: that I mean, who who likes forbearance? Who would say, "I just want to let me go find a brother who aggravates me, so I can be patient." <laughs> this is it's inconvenient. It's inconvenient for us. Forbearance is inconvenient. Forgiveness is inconvenient. But here's some inspiration for us. I hope will motivate you, inspire us is that in these times, God is giving us opportunities to reflect His character. He's giving us the privilege and the opportunity to reflect His long-suffering and forgiving character. Remember now, that's the center of it all. We are, we are, are to be a forgiving, forbearing people because we have been forgiven. And God has demonstrated patience with us. And so we have the opportunity in our flawed ways, yes, our limited ways, yes, to reflect one who has suffered long with us and who has forgiven us enormously and abundantly and generously and freely. So in these moments, because these things are hard, we say, okay, Lord, it's not just I have to do this, but you're giving me the privilege and opportunity to reflect your character. So suffice it to say, kind of review, as we live in this Christian community called the church, as we have these one-another relationships, rest assured you and I will have plenty of opportunity to practice forbearance and we'll have plenty of opportunity to practice forgiveness. And guess what? You will have many, many times where you need people to practice forbearance with you and you'll need folks to forgive you. All right? Forbearance requires love. We've already heard about that, haven't we? We read Ephesians 4, forbearing one another in love. So it's an act of love. The feeling's not always there, but it is. this is a choice in action. I'm going to suffer long with this brother. Lord, for your sake, for love for you, for love and love toward them, I'm willing to endure this. So forbearance requires love. Forbearance requires humility. We read the word humility in the Colossians 3 passage, the Ephesians 4 passage, the lowliness of mind. Forbearance requires humility and a generous spirit. Now, um, forbearance doesn't demand uh, perfection before I'll, I'll tolerate you. For, for, forbearance doesn't require um, freedom from all aggravations or annoyances before I will, I will put up with you. If we are easily offended, if we are easily aggravated, it's probably, the same sin we've heard mentioned like 10 times a day, it's probably a symptom of our pride. When we're easily aggravated, what are we saying? Who are you to aggravate me? Who are you to kind of cross my, cross my barrier here and, and cause me some discomfort? Listen, forbearance requires great humility. Brother, I can put up with that. You might be aggravating to me. I can I can endure that. Think right now in your mind of a brother who aggravates you, okay? Don't call his name. <laughs> but you've got it in your church, no doubt. There's somebody there It's like, ah, oh, this guy's calling again. Or, I mean, just the way that he says that just gets me. Can you not say, I can tolerate that. I can tolerate the aggravations of my brother. The Lord has tolerated me. He, he's, he's been merciful to me. Other people have tolerated me. Other people have put up with my annoyances and my aggravation. Surely I can be generous hearted with my brother for the sake of, of the Lord. So forbearance requires love. Forbearance requires a humble spirit, a generous spirit. Now let's look at the example of Jesus um, in Luke chapter 9. I, I'm, I'm preaching through the book of Luke at home. And when I came through this passage, it really jumped out to me because it seems, listen to Jesus' words here, it seems out of character for him. Um, We think in in the Gospels of Jesus as compassion, and Luke highlights that enormously. Um, His tenderness, his gentleness. We'll look at Luke chapter 9. The story here, I won't read it all, was when there was a a man who had a child who was possessed with an evil spirit. It was a terrible situation. Jesus was not on sight. He brought the child, the afflicted child to the disciples, and they couldn't cast him out. They brought him to Jesus. And Jesus in Luke 9 verse 41 says, Jesus answering said, Oh, faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you and suffer? Same word as forbear. How long shall I be with you and suffer you? Bring your son here. That one jumped up. Like, man, that seemed kind of out of character for Jesus. He didn't normally It's it's almost like an outburst. Like, And by the way, he'd just come down from the Mount of Transfiguration where he was glorified, but in the presence, the Father's voice and all the rest, and he comes back down to this place of sin and corruption, and the disciples don't have the faith in that moment. The the, the darkness is still prevalent and evidenced by this boy who's afflicted. His disciples couldn't cast him out. Their lack of faith in that moment. And it's just almost like Jesus loses his top. Oh, faithless, perverse people, how long do I have to put up with you? And we know Jesus never sinned, so it wasn't a sinful response. You might say, well, what does this have to do with forbearance? Here's what it has to do with it. It jumped out to me in this. Jesus could have said stuff like this every 10 minutes. Every 10 minutes. There could have been Jesus, not only with the wicked world, but his own disciples could repeatedly revealed their flaws and weaknesses. Jesus had to correct his disciples about the same things on numerous occasions. And so really the fact that we have such few instances like this speaks of the incredible amount of the forbearance of Christ, even while he was here on earth. I mean, every hour he could have said, you idiots, why don't you get this? I'm going back to heaven. I'm sick and tired of dealing with all your flaws. But we see Jesus, we see Him continually, continually enduring with their weaknesses, correcting, teaching, rebuking, but continuing to suffer with them. So He is indeed our example in this. Now, a couple of things before we move to forgiveness, a couple of things to say um, about forbearance. Just I hope it will be practical helps. When you're having a hard time putting up With a brother, try to remember the good fruits that you see in them. That seems pretty basic, but it it is basic, but it's really helpful, isn't it? Listen, if he's a brother in Christ, there's grace in him. Does he love Jesus? Well, stop right there and thank God. Lord, thank you for this brother. Thank you that your grace has put faith in his heart. He loves you. He praises you. He's aggravating me, Lord, but I'm thankful he's a believer. He's my brother in Christ. Lord, this brother... Um, just the way he talks to me is disrespectful, it seems, or, 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 or whatever. But, Lord, thank you for how he serves people. I mean, it's, he's a servant. Lord, thank you for his fervent prayers. You see, try to remember the good fruits that you see in them. Because here's, here's the opposite, is that we'll fixate on the flaws. We'll obsess over the annoyance or the aggravation. And that, listen, that is a, that's a, a beast that will continue to eat as long as you feed it, as long as you feed it where you just uh, obsess and, and, and are, are fixated on the flaws and the faults or the aggravations or whatever. So say it this way, try to remember the good fruits, don't fixate on the flaws, and then make war, make war on an attitude that's quick to criticize and find fault. Make war on that attitude. Listen, as flawed as we all are, we could all have a full-time job just thinking about all the flaws and everybody else in the church. <laughs> We could have a full-time job, and that's not what God's called us to do. He's called us to practice forbearance in love and humility in a generous spirit. Remember this, that no matter how much you have been annoyed, wronged, aggravated, have had to endure with that person, that God has suffered long with you much, much more. We are products of God's long-suffering, and we are sustained by God's long suffering. How many of us have prayed, Lord, would you just would you just treat me today like I deserve? We don't do that, do we? We know better. We say, Lord, would you please treat me better today than what I deserve? Would you please be merciful with me? Would you please be gracious with my weaknesses, Lord? Would you please help me with that flaw that I thought I had licked last week and now it's cropping up again? And and it's it's the same thing we've heard all week, right? As we've received love, we give out love. As we've received grace, we pour out grace. As, we, as we've received abundant mercy, we pour out abundant mercy. Now let's think about forgiveness. Again, these go these two really go in together. Forgiveness, one of the definitions in the New Testament for the word forgiveness, is is granting is a gift. It's grace, isn't it? It's grace. It's not they deserve to be forgiven, it's it's grace. Another one is this, and I love this, this idea of the, uh, this definition of the idea of the word "forgiveness. It has the, the, the meaning to send away or to dismiss or to loose, to loose. When, when, um, when I forgive someone in my heart, in my mind, I have loosed them from that transgression. When I don't, they are tied up in my mind in my heart. I mean, I've got them tied up. I'm tying you up with that sin that you've committed against me. I'm tying you up in my... I'm not letting it go. When I forgive, I've taken taken the knot off and they're free. They're free. I've I've sent it away. I've dealt with it. Just like the Lord, the prophet Micah, has cast my sin into the depths of the sea, it's as if I've taken their sin and said, go to the ocean, send it down to the bottom. It's it's over. I forgive them. It is the idea... Also of canceling a debt, canceling a debt. So when we are taught to pray, as Jesus taught us in the model prayer, forgive us our debts, you know what's coming next, right? (laughs) As we forgive our debtors. So when we practice forgiveness, we are canceling the debt of that brother's sin against us, even as God has canceled our debts in Christ. Ephesians 4.32, even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. Listen, we could just stop there, stop there and have a great time preaching, couldn't we? Can you believe that? Canceled our debts by the blood of Jesus? Every, every sin that we commit, every sin we commit has a price tag before a holy God. The brothers have talked about it. our sins are against Him. And we've incurred high debts before Heaven's bank. And we cannot begin to pay even the interest on it, can we? But God, in His grace, has made the provision. He's made the full payment at high cost to Himself in the person of His Son Jesus. And Jesus has come and paid our debts by shedding His blood. And God has fully and freely and abundantly forgiven us. But listen, if there's any here today and you've you've never trusted Christ, you've never been converted, and you feel the weight and the guilt of your sins. I want you to know there is there is a cancellation of debts. No, no fine print, right? A cancellation of debts for all those who throw themselves on the mercy of Jesus. Isn't that wonderful? What a freeing thing to be forgiven. How many of us, we, 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 you know, we do that sometimes to remember grace. We look back and we remember our sins, our wickednesses. Lord, thank you for that forgiveness. We look back yesterday and say, Lord, thank you for the forgiveness. Free forgiveness, abundant forgiveness. And so just as God has canceled our debts in Christ when we forgive, we're canceling the debts of another. Brother Lewis has said it well. What's the alternative? The alternative is bitterness. The alternative is bitterness. So you either have a church full of forgiveness or a church full of bitterness. You either have a marriage full of forgiveness or full of bitterness. I used, well, I'll get to that in a moment. Mark 11, Mark 11, the verse that we read. Jesus said, "When ye stand praying, forgive if you have aught against any." So this is a, this is going on in the heart and the mind. This is the the person is is gone to prayer and apparently something's come to mind and and they realize I'm I've got bitterness with this brother, or this sister. Jesus says, "You you got to release them. You got to release them right then. Pray for grace to release them. You have to release them right then." He says, "If you don't, your communion with God will be hindered." This is a big deal. This is a big deal. We, we have to forgive. If we don't forgive, we're not ex- going to experience the forgiveness of God in our own lives. There's going to be a, a wall and a barrier erected erected in our relationship with the Lord if we fail to forgive those who've wronged us. So this is forgiveness within our hearts. There's, I, I appreciate how I couldn't repeat it. I can't repeat it, but I appreciate how Brother Andy kind of gave a good distinction. There's, there's, a, there's a lot. Love covers a multitude of sins. There's a lot that we should be able to put up with and deal with and be done with, okay? That we don't have to go to the brother. There's a lot that that we should be very forbearing. But then there's some things that you have to go. It's, It's too big of an offense. It requires being dealt with. Look in Luke 17, Jesus spoke to that. So we're always to have the disposition of forgiveness. We're not harboring bitterness in our heart. We've forgiven the brother in our heart, but there's also a relationship component where there needs to be, reconciliation. And that's what Jesus talks about here in Luke 17 in verse 3. He says, take heed to yourselves. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. And if he repent, forgive him. Now, it's so simple, isn't it? You go, you bring the offense. If he, if he repents, you forgive. I mean, you set him free. You don't have a payment plan. You set him free. It's over. It's done. There, there may be consequences. There may be things that need to be addressed to help the relationship be better. But in your heart, you're saying, I'm not holding the grudge. And if he trespass, verse 4, against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day turn again to thee saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. Jesus is saying there's got to be radical forgiveness. You remember in the, the Matthew account, Peter says, Lord, up till, up till um, seven, is that kind of the limit, you know? Is there a limit here? And Jesus says, hey, try out some math. Try out 70 times 7 and then do that. It's like, whoa, this is a big deal. He's calling for a a radical disposition, an incredibly generous disposition of forgiveness. Now, have you ever had anybody who's just sinned against you numerous times? You say, you know what? This is the last straw. Like, I'm done. I'm just just done. (laughs) This relationship's over. If they're repentant, they're still repenting. They're still, they're still seeking to make things right. There's no limit. Not my words, his. There's no limit to the number of times that we're supposed to be willing to forgive that brother when he repents of his sin and seeks to make things right. Now, that's a tall order, isn't it? And there's no way we can even begin to be motivated to that or strengthened to that without understanding the gospel of Jesus Christ, without understanding the radical forgiveness that God has granted unto us. How many times a day do you think you sin? He's laughing over there, right? We don't even want to try because there's sins of the heart, there's sins of the word, there's sins of things we should have done that we failed to do, on and on and on. And we, and we have this expect, a, a good, a gospel expectation that God is merciful to forgive us. And so he's calling us to reflect that spirit toward others. About this time, I'm right here in the sermon in the pulpit saying, Lord, give me your spirit. I can't do this. <laughs> I can't do this. And we can't. That's what that's we're, we're doing is depending on the strength of the Holy Spirit. All, all of these one another's. Lord, I see it. I know it. I need grace for this to grow in this. Lord, I've got to marinate my soul in your word and in what you've done for me and in prayer to be able to give this out towards others. But let me, isn't it true, though? Isn't it true? Let me just say this first, though, also. If, if if you were confronted with sin by a brother, and it truly is sin, repent of it. Repent of it. No excuses. Brother, let me make that right. You're right. I was wrong in that. I failed you in that. And if you haven't really sinned, it's just a disagreement over opinion or whatever, you know what? Try to still do everything you can to have peace. Romans 14, as much as lies in you, live peaceably with all men. Brother Andy read the Matthew 5 passage about leaving your gift at at the altar. If you know a brother is offended with you, go to him, brother. Let's make this right. We don't don't want things to be between us. We want to have harmony and fellowship, a closeness, a nearness together uh, in the Lord. Now, how freeing and how beautiful it is for Christians to forgive each other. It is, isn't it? And it's, it's, Titus mentioned a two-way street. It's a two-way street. When I'm the offender, it is freeing for me for you to forgive me. <laughs> I thank you for forgiving me. Thank you. Thank you for setting me free. That's freeing to me. And if I'm the offended and I forgive you, it frees me too. It frees me too. Because now I've untied you in my heart and mind, and there's not, there's not malice there. There's not this weight there, the offender has been freed and the offended has been freed. Isn't that beautiful? It's a beautiful thing for God's people to forgive each other. And Jesus calls us to forgive only because it's fitting. Only because it's fitting. As I've already, I'll just repeat it again because we have been forgiven. Ken Sandy says this. He's, he has a great little book called uh, Resolving Everyday Conflict. And Ken Sandy says this. He says, Christians are the most forgiven people in the world. Therefore, we should be the most forgiving people in the world. Amen? The most forgiven people in the world. Psalm 103, we love to read Psalm 103, single Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that's within me. Bless his holy name. Verse 2, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. What's the first benefit mentioned? Who forgiveth all that iniquities. Who forgiveth all that iniquities. Now, in closing, some practical things. It's, it's, um, forgiveness, especially when it's a very grievous offense. Forgiveness doesn't always mean automatic trust. Again, does it? it? Doesn't always mean that. Forgiveness doesn't always mean it's a feeling of warmth or an immediate feeling of warmth. Forgiveness is a, it's a, by faith, in dependence on the Holy Spirit, a choice to obey God. So there may not always be an immediate warm feeling. may not be the person you want to go to lunch with every Tuesday. Hopefully you'll work toward that and build up that relationship. But forgiveness is its a choice to not hold that. I'm not tying you up in my heart and my mind. I'm releasing you. I'm dismissing you. Now, it's forgiveness, obviously not vengeance. Now, we're good church folks, aren't we? So we probably wouldn't get vengeance we might just settle for fantasy vengeance. Anybody ever done that? Fantasy vengeance. Ooh, you just fantasize about the things you could say to him, to her, that would just cut them down to size, and it feels so good to think that way, doesn't it? That's, That's not forgiveness. That's fantasy vengeance. I'm not really saying it. I'm not really doing it. Or it may be, you know what? I'd kind of like them to hurt a little while. Maybe he'll lose his job. He'll lose you know, all these all these wicked things you could think of. Fantasy vengeance. It's also not this. Yeah, I I forgave him, but man, when, you know when he's around, he's gonna know. He'll, he'll know a little, little cold shoulder. Hey, hey, hey man, how's it going? Yeah, yeah, super good. He'll know. He'll know. That's not forgiveness. It's not forgiveness. Um, it's also not verbal vengeance. I forgave them, man. totally forgave them, but man, I cannot wait to make myself feel feel better by telling about 10 people what they've done. You know, that's that's verbal vengeance, isn't it? I'm going to really enjoy making them not look quite as good in everybody else's eyes because they hurt me. Verbal vengeance. It's none of those things. Now, here's Albert Barnes helps with this in his commentary. Here's what forgiveness is. Again, it doesn't always mean it's an immediate warm feeling. Sometimes it takes us time to process things. It doesn't mean there's always immediate, full trust and respect, but it does mean this. That when I forgive, I am committing, Barnes says, not to harbor malice against that person. In other words, I'm not going to harbor resentment and ill will in my heart against them. I'm fighting against it. I'm warring against it. I may I may have great success one day and it creeps back up tomorrow and I've committed today. Lord, forgive me of that today. I'm going to wash that out. I'm not I'm not going to hold them in that way. So I'm not I'm not holding a grudge. I'm not harboring ill will in my heart against them. Number two, we are ready to do him good as if he had not given us occasion of complaint. I'm ready to serve that. So I'm ready to do all the one another's. If I've forgiven him, I'm going to serve him. I'm going to pray for him. I'm going to love him. I'm going to comfort him. It means, thirdly, we're willing to declare that we forgive him when he asks that he did. We're, 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 We're not holding it back. Fourthly, he says, we are always afterward to treat him as kindly as if he had not injured us. It's a tall, tall order, isn't it? That's what he says. As God has dealt with me in kindness, I'm committed to deal with this brother in kindness. And another I would add is this, is that we're not bringing up past sins to put down, to score points, etc. Maybe there's a need if there's a repeated pattern of sin to say, hey, this is a pattern of your life. Let's work on it. Let's deal with it. But there's not this gratuitous indulging and just reminding the person of their past sins, of their past sins. Now, um, it can be hard. It can be. Sometimes God can grant, um, just in a moment, quick feeling of forgiveness, incredible generosity, and you never struggle with that again toward that person. And he does that, and those are wonderful times. And then there's times where you forgive someone, you really forgive them. You really forgive them in your heart, and then... About three weeks later, it pops back up again what they said. You're like, man, that makes me mad all over again. (laughs) So what do we have to do? We have to to commit to obey again. We have to commit to obey again and remember the, the mercies of the Lord in our lives. Now, is there anybody in your mind, make it practical, anybody in your mind today that you need to forgive? Is there anybody that you're thinking of that you need to suffer long with? Is there anybody that you need to seek their forgiveness. And do it. Do it. And you'll see the freedom, the freedom that comes from that. Let me just say this in closing. Let me say that this is important for us as men, uh, for us who have wives and families, this this is so important to model forbearance and forgiveness in our homes. To model, we are influencing people, aren't we? To model forbearance and forgiveness in our homes. Do our kids hear us going on and on and on and on on about the annoyances of that guy in the church. I remember one time as a teenager being shocked. It was some church meeting, went to these people's houses. They must have had a bad day, Lord bless them, and they were just, I mean, in front of me and everything, no shame, they were just tearing their preacher up verbally. I mean, just criticism. They're like, man, this is great, this is awful. Well, it had been modeled in the home, hadn't it? Mom and dad did it, so kids do it. We are modeling either a spirit of resentment and pride or we're modeling a spirit of forbearance and patience. Kids, we can put up with that. Kids, we can forgive them. We're modeling in our homes. Husbands, help your wives. Help your wives. Inevitably, they're going to struggle with somebody if, with, with, with resentment and bitterness. Encourage them gently. Model before them. Help them. Point them to Christ as our great model of forgiveness. Now, finally, we say it again. Meditate. Meditate on God's free and full and generous forgiveness of your sins and cancellation of your debts. I love going through the Gospel of Luke. Jesus says it numerous times to different people. Numerous times to different people, he'll say this. Your sins are forgiven you. Aren't those great words? Your sins are forgiven you. Brothers in Christ, believers in Jesus, your sins are forgiven you. Now go and forgive. May God help us.